You are listening to the Future of Asia podcasts by McKinsey and Company. I am Oliver Tonby, your host and chairman of McKinsey Asia. In this series, we feature leaders from across the region to discuss the forces, the opportunities, and the challenges that are shaping the future of Asia. So welcome, everyone. Welcome to this edition of our Future of Asia podcast. Today's topic is Korea's response to the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, I am joined by two colleagues, uh, Wan Zek Choi, our managing partner in Korea, and He Jin Khan, one of our senior, uh, most senior partners in Korea that has been actively following and helping on the COVID response, both inside the firm as well as with our clients. Now, why are we focusing on Korea and Korea's response to the coronavirus? What we have seen is that from a daily total of 851 cases on March 7th uh, up to today, when there were eight cases, South Korea has actually been one of the countries that has managed to get the coronavirus crisis uh, under control, if I'm allowed to call it that, more quickly than, than a number of other countries. And the question is, what are some of the things we can learn from this? So before we dig into Korea's response, let me ask both Wanzik and Hejin. If you look back over the last 8, 12 weeks, you know, what has it actually felt like on the ground in Korea? Wanzik, would you like to go first? Sure, Oliver. Um, first of all, um, I hope everyone listening to this podcast is uh, keeping uh, healthy and safe. Um, I would say from my personal um, observation, uh, people are feeling generally cautiously optimistic um, because the outbreak started late February, uh, peaked uh, at the end of the month, uh, very quickly stabilized by mid-March. And now we're looking at something like uh, 10 or so daily confirmed cases. And um, people are feeling uh, quite anxious to get back to sort of a normal way of living and working, uh, although not everything will be back uh, to uh, you know, what used to be the case two months ago. Um, but people are still staying cautious. Um, when I look outside, uh, something like 60-70% of the people on the street are still wearing a mask. So uh, people are staying cautious, but I think people are feeling quite optimistic. Um, about, um, you know, the situation, um, you know, staying under control. Thank you, Wanzik. Hedgen, same, same question to you. What has it felt like over the last 8, 12 weeks? And perhaps what does it feel like for you? Yeah, I mean, for Korea, uh, during, the, during the period, we really never shut down uh, the company and operating, you know, uh, work. And therefore, it has been very difficult before how to manage remote work as well as uh, uh, keeping the work while we manage our health and keeping the health. Uh, these days, it got much easier. Uh, and uh, I, I still feel like much relieved uh, to see the uh, you know, significant reduction in the number of confirmed cases. Um, obviously, people now begin to worry about the potential economic impact uh, that may come later. Uh, but uh, and numbers are coming out, etc. But at least on the health side, the people are more optimistic, and economy side, they are they are beginning to concern. I understand it. I understand, and we're going to come back to some of those points, uh, Hedgen. Uh, 
let me start with a question around what made South Korea's response so successful and unique compared to other countries? Uh, Wanzik, would you like to take the first pass of that question? Sure. I think there are many different takes on Korea's success uh, in progress, um, but I would say a few things. I think, first and foremost, uh, I think we've been quite fortunate to have uh, a fairly robust public health response system that's been built on uh, the past learnings from MERS SARS crises. I'll give you one example. Um, uh, during the MERS crisis, um, Korea Center for Disease Control was the only approved uh, body uh, to administer uh, epidemiological testing, and that at the time caused a bit of a bottleneck. Um, Korea learned from it, and now um, close to 90% of all tests that are being administered in Korea um, in response to COVID-19 are being done by private institutions. Um, and that all is on the back of a fairly strong nationwide um, hospital network and healthcare infrastructure. So um, as many people know, Korea is number two only after Japan in terms of number of hospital beds at around 12 and a half per thousand people. The second thing I'd love to talk about also um, is how um, this has been an opportunity to really see the impact of how digital innovation has been uh, helping uh, a country like Korea to respond to COVID-19 containment and mitigation in a very agile way. And then lastly, I would say um, there's a pretty, um, you know, uh, well-recognized degree of social responsibility and even social contract uh, where at, where um, general public uh, has been very collaborative uh, in uh, doing the personal precautionary measures, um, wearing a mask, um, you know, uh, doing self-quarantine, things that are required to keep themselves happy and also keep others from uh, getting exposure to, to the virus. Thank you, uh, Wanzik. Um, Hedzen, would you like to add mm -hmm. to, uh, to that, please? Yeah, I mean, I think the rapid testing uh, and contact tracing and sharing that information uh, real time every day uh, uh, by by the government body uh, were the key factors uh, from my point of view. The testing, uh, I mean, as you can, as you have seen, uh, there is a drive-through testing, you know, uh, walk-through testing, etc. Various testing uh, methodology were created. And it was readily available to everybody. Uh, it was pretty quick, under 10-minute test. And then basically the, the result was available uh, the next day, uh, sometimes even shorter than that. So that actually helped the people to be able to test so uh, explain uh, themselves. Them. So yeah. if I can interrupt you there. So explain to the listener, how does, this, how does a walk-in test work for a person that comes? You literally walk in off the street. Just explain how it works. There is a, a small, how do you say, um, room, and then you basically walk in, and then there is a doctor uh, with uh, all the kind of uh, protective uh, glasses and wares, and they they have a pretty long, <laughs> um, you know, cotton bud yeah. to basically scrap your specimen and then basically test it. I mean, it, it only takes the ten minutes. I mean, of course, they 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 check your ID card, etc., but that's yeah. it. Uh, and then you get you get the results on the spot, or does it, do they call you up in a few hours? How does the result? No, they send you a message. They send you a message uh, in your mobile phone the day after. 
I think I've seen the cases uh, the, the six hours they sent you the message and and that it's cheap, right? It's a, it's a it could be free if you have a symptom, uh, and then it, it is under you know one hundred and fifty US dollar even if you don't have a symptom. So pretty available for everybody, and that that information was available for everybody. So I was at a client site one time and. You know, we basically got a message and, and on different buildings, uh, there was one confirmed case, you know, happened. And then we knew uh, maybe in an hour where he has been uh, through uh, for the past, you know, several days. And we were able to kind of evacuate and then take took the measure, uh, the right measures, instead of basically pa- being panicking and then, you know, <laughs> I understand. go home, everybody. Yeah, go home. I understand. One Zik, yes. Yeah, so if I can add to what Hajin said, um, I mean, fortunately for me, I didn't have to uh, go through one of these testing facilities. But, um, you know, nation, like Korea is a pretty densely populated uh, country, as many people know, 51 million people, small landmass. Um, and there are right now close to 600 um, testing, um, you know, sites um, and something like 95 um facilities that actually runs uh, the actual, uh, the, the results. Um, and there are three broad categories of um, uh, testing that is uh, administered uh, in terms of facilities. One is walk-in. And these are, you know, basically government-endorsed hospitals and clinics uh, that are throughout uh, the nation, you know, 300 plus of these. I mean, nothing other than hospitals that you, you probably see in other countries. But again, as Hedgen said, the process is quite rapid. And then another is a bit of an uh, invention, I guess, uh, at the early stage of Korea's response. Uh, it, it's a drive-through system. And uh, as you can sort of visualize, just like driving through a fast food chain, um, you literally sit in your own car by yourself. You go in, you go through all the procedures to share your personal information and very rapid collection of sample um, from your nose and, 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 and throat. Um, there's about 80 of these uh, throughout Korea. And then lastly, uh, there are walkthrough facilities. These are literally phone booth-like uh, facilities that have been set up for rapid testing. Across all these formats, uh, the amount of time it requires to actually uh, collect sample, process it, and then um, inform you uh, as the uh, person tested of the results uh, you know, takes only a few hours. Um, and as Hedgen said, the result is basically sent to you uh, via text message. Um, quite automatic, uh, quite efficient. As a result, you know, the country has done more than half a million testing to date. Got it. Pretty big number. Got it. Thank you, Wanzik. And, and I also know that Korea now has started exporting test kits to many other countries, uh, which, is a, which is a great thing for other countries. Asia's standing in the world has changed. And it's clear that where the focus once was on how quickly the region would rise, The reality is now all about how Asia will lead. Keep listening to the Future of Asia podcast. One of the things, I think early on Korea, the epicenter in Korea was in around the province or the city of Daegu, if I understand correctly. Uh, There was a lot of cases there. Now, I think Korea had quite a little bit of a different approach to lockdown than many other countries are taking. Could you explain a little bit about what Korea did? Sure, Oliver. Um, It's one of those things that is a bit unique about uh, Korea's response to containment. Um, uh, 
Korea never shut down its borders um, other than restricting travel from uh, Wuhan and Hubei. So from the get-go of the outbreak uh, to now, borders have been opened uh, to travelers inbound to Korea from places like the U.S., Europe, elsewhere. Um, they go through, of course, restrictive procedures uh, to enter the country. Uh, and when they have symptoms, they need to be tested. But still, the borders are open. Another thing that's quite unique about Korea is the fact that there has never been a lockdown. Um, no cities, no regions. This allows people to basically freely travel uh, on their own volition. Um, you know, and people basically take their due uh, personal precautionary measures. And people have been quite collaborative. Um, this has allowed Korea to respond to the dual crisis or challenge. You know, on one hand, every country needs to deal with this as a public health challenge or crisis. On the other side, uh, every country also has to deal with this as an economic crisis or challenge. Just like every other country, Korea is dealing with both in parallel, but not one necessarily at the expense of the other. Um, and that's been quite unique to Korea. And so far, um, the country has had um, cumulatively uh, slightly over 10,000 confirmed cases. Uh, over 70% of these confirmed cases are congregated uh, in the um, area of North Gyeongsang province, the province that houses the city of Daegu. Um, so without locking down, the country has actually has done a fairly good job to containing the spread uh, of the virus uh, within that region. In hindsight, lots of measures have been implemented, and I think we've been quite lucky that despite the number um, at over 10,000 confirmed cases, most of these uh, cases have been quite concentrated in one area, and therefore Korea has been able to respond uh, to the confirmed cases in a very, uh, I would say, systematic fashion. You know, I would like to add a few points how we could contain um, the, the COVID-19 uh, in that, you know, province uh, versus the spreading it out. Uh, I think there was, I mean, of course, there was a strong recommendation uh, for people not to travel uh, to Daegu and Gyeongsang uh, provinces. Uh, and then secondly, for the people who had to travel to Gyeongsang, uh, North Gyeongsang provinces and Daegu, they had to report uh, to their company uh, and, and the, or, or any other organization they belong to that they have been visiting. And then obviously, uh, you know, the company or institution allowed the 14-day quarantine uh, work from home uh, for, for, for those people. Uh, and then obviously when they come back, they have to get the, the tested, uh, the, the corona, COVID-19 test. So I think those three measures basically helped uh, for us to be able to contain it uh, without locking it down. I understand. And I, and I also, at the start of the conversation, you also, and I think you're underlining that, the importance of the social responsibility that each and every individual and each and every citizen feels, that that has been absolutely instrumental in Korea and containing the virus. And perhaps yeah. a little bit different than we've seen in a few other countries around the world. Listen, I'm going to change uh, focus as, uh, and let's talk a little bit about how this crisis has redefined the partnership between the private and the public sector. How, how has the private sector reacted to this? Uh, who, who wants to go first on this question? Yeah, maybe I will Yeah, start. 
in Korea, we have a rather unique uh, economy structure that, as you may know, there are many large uh, conglomerates uh, like Samsung, LG, Hyundai Motors Group, etc. And the top 20 of them actually contributes to, you know, 60-70% of, uh, of the nation's uh, GDP. Uh, these large size conglomerates basically acted as a replication and expansion of the government KCDC uh, by setting up the control tower uh, to do the monitoring, active monitoring, uh, daily information sharing, and supporting government doing the contact tracing, uh, uh, contact tracing of the potential confirmed cases. And then also providing very tailored guidelines for uh, social distancing and remote work policies, etc. So I think uh, having the multiplication of those control towers on each of these conglomerates, where you know there are hundreds of uh, sub affiliates and also associated suppliers, uh, it actually brought the the, the power of the control, uh, uh, centralized power of the control, basically expanded. Uh, throughout the nation pretty uh, widely. And that actually allowed us to be able to uh, uh, work uh, you know, and operate uh, even during the, during the crisis. Yeah, if I can add with a specific example of a private-public uh, uh, collaboration partnership, Korea is able to validate contact tracing now in about 10 minutes' time. So if you're under suspicion of uh, infection, um, Korea CDC uh, basically goes through all the questions and you need to basically then report where you've been to. This actually used to take something close to a full day because you need to validate that information before KCDC actually posts it on uh, its online um, you know, apps and, 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 uh, and website. About a month ago, about a month ago, um, Korea launched uh, an integrated digital platform that basically connects two relevant ministries uh, in uh, COVID response, uh, plus Korea CDC, plus something like 25 private institutions, three telcos, 20 plus uh, credit card companies and agencies. And what it does is um, through this integrated platform, you can actually validate uh, with a digital uh, footprint of the person that actually has gone through this process uh, to make sure that the information is actually correct. Um, so Korea has been able to basically shrink the time it takes to validate the information from something like one full day to 10 minutes. And, and again, this um, uh, is, you know, digital innovation that is driving agile response. And this is, this I think has been a pretty productive form of how the government um, and the private sector uh, has collaborated to respond to the situation with the agility uh, that uh, I just described. Thank you. Go ahead, Hedgen. Yeah, I mean, another uh, collaboration uh, that I would like to mention is about social distancing. Uh, so government uh, had a guideline uh, for, uh, for the kind of, you know, uh, companies to follow. And it was pretty, uh, you know, general guidelines of how to keep the social distancing, wearing masks and, and you know, doing the you know, sanitization measures and quarantine the places uh, where the potential confirmed uh, people have visited. Uh, I think each company and each corporate conglomerate actually uh, uh, got it and then followed it. But in addition, they had a pretty um, you know, tailored uh, guideline to be able to implement it without interrupting or shutting down the work. For example, um, 
you know, LG Group, uh, you know, for headquarters people, they could make them uh, do the, you know, work from home uh, for a month, uh, from February 24th to uh, March 31st. Uh, but then for the people who had to work uh, to keep the, uh, the continue the production, etc., they basically implemented uh, uh, commuting, free, com uh, you know, commuting our flexibility. And then also, uh, you know, dining and learning, uh, lunch hour uh, flexibility. And also on the lunch dining places, they basically had uh, uh, partitions on, on every dining table so that people can eat, but without, you know, directly contacting other colleagues, etc. So there was a, a pretty, you know, careful measures uh, and, and preparations that the company has made to be able to keep the, keep the work while uh, making sure that uh, they they apply the remote work policy and work from home for the people who don't necessarily need to be uh, at the at site. Um, and thirdly, at the beginning, uh, the co the corporations also um, you know made the effort to secure the masks and then hand sanitizers, for example. So uh, they they distributed it freely, free uh, free of free masks and hand sanitizers to everybody. Uh, some of them actually subsidized, uh, although it's not big, uh, $30, $40 a week uh, for the people and employees to buy the mask. And as you may know, Hyundai Motors Group actually uh, you know, made one of their production line to produce the mask. <laughs> so I, I think every corporate uh, used, using their uh, you know, best judgment uh, took, the, took the tailored guidelines and made it and then and then make everybody feel like uh, they're they're safe and then being able to efficient yeah. thank you Hedgen. listen we need to start rounding off this uh, this podcast I want to come back to something that you touched on briefly earlier which is the economy uh, now can you share some of the things that Korea is doing to kind of stimulate the economy to come back? more quickly than it otherwise would? What are some of the, 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 the thinking around how to stimulate the economy? Wanzik, you want to take uh, the first pass? Yeah, sure. Um, I think generally companies are and, and, and people are feeling uh, more confident on the public health side of things. Uh, I think they're still very much concerned about the economic side of the challenge. Um, the first quarter um, GDP growth number just came out. Um, the economy actually shrank by 1.4% compared to the previous quarter. And for a country that had been growing massively, robustly over such a long time, that's a big blow. Um, it, it, it's a product of probably a couple of things, but more in the near term, um, the government uh, is trying to do what it can to help provide financial support uh, to the many households in Korea who require that support to make sure that consumption uh, stays um, uh, at a healthy level. Um, but on the other hand, um, we all know uh, that uh, Korea's economy structurally is very much trade dependent. And, and this side of the uh, economic activities has not been reflected in the record so far. Uh, up until uh, last month, uh, Korea has been doing relatively well, uh, pre-COVID-19 impact. Um, many uh, businesses uh, have, um, you know, global operations and uh, supply chain has been impacted quite severely. Um, so uh, Korea needs to have a sector-by-sector -sector response. 
um, so far, semiconductor has been doing relatively better than other sectors like automotive um, and machinery. Um, but uh, many of these sectors, of course, uh, require rethinking about how to create options, alternatives uh, in terms of supply chain to make sure that when, when the demand actually does come back, um, it does have what it takes to um, get the operation back on track. Um, so um, right now, so far, how do we make sure that we get the consumption going and keep it as healthy as possible? Um, and then uh, on the corporate side, uh, how do we make sure that the companies and sectors uh, stay uh, uh, in their operation uh, by managing their supply chain and making sure that they use uh, creative approaches uh, to continue to stay in touch with the markets that are outside Korea? Thank you. Hejun, any thoughts on this? I think that uh, there are uh, roughly three measures uh, that government has taken so far, and it is still keeping updated. Um, uh, yesterday, you know, there was a new uh, policies uh, published, etc. Uh, the first major uh, financial economic measure they have taken uh, is to uh, support the individuals who are impacted. Uh, and the second measure uh, is about uh, the people uh, who, uh, you know, small businesses uh, and SMEs uh, who need most support. Uh, and the third one is about uh, uh, the foundation of businesses uh, like airlines uh, and, uh, and then heavy industries uh, where they need the financial support to, to, to survive through uh, the difficult period. So I think those three actions have been taken, uh, especially uh, for those areas. I think uh, yesterday, uh, government actually announced that uh, there will be new, more stimulatory measures uh, called uh, the Korean New Deal policies. Uh, the, the details have not been announced yet, uh, confirmed yet, but uh, uh, we will see that there should be some more active stimulating measures and, and new, new, new actions that government will take. Thank you. Listen. Let us uh, end this podcast with, uh, if I can ask one, one line from, from each of you. If, you. if you just think, is there any, anything good coming out of this crisis? You know, if you think even to the future, what are some of the positive changes that we can hope for coming out of this crisis? Wow, not an easy question. Um, no, I think... Uh, Many companies and, and all, I mean, the, the business owners were thinking about, uh, you know, taking different operating model uh, for their companies and organization. I'm an expert, <laughs> organization expert, as you, know, as you know, and I have a passion for it. And uh, although we've been persuading, uh, persuading many of the decision makers to take the different type of operating model, uh, they were. I mean, there, there was no need, no need and urgency, and 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 and, and with the uh, with the COVID nineteen, they had to uh, put into the situation, and now uh, getting more accustomed. So I just hope that uh, this COVID nineteen, after uh, the return, you know, everything returned to normal, uh, the next normal operating model is more flexible, uh, and then they can adopt more digital uh, tools to be able to support the people's work and life balance. Excellent. Thank you, Hedgen. Wanzik. Yeah, um, I'd say learn and stay resilient um, because this too shall pass. Um, but something like this can occur uh, in different proportions. Um, one fundamental lesson that Korea has learned 
um, and is applying in the current situation is because of its difficulties during the MERS crisis, it learned so much, was able to then uh, put in place many measures that are now functioning. So let's learn from what we're doing, stay positive, stay confident, and make sure that we're ready for future uncertainties like this uh, if it were to ever again uh, occur in the future. Um, and by the time, I think we'll be more prepared uh, than now uh, as a global community to deal with this uh, and probably come out of this uh, you know, uh, faster, uh, better. Excellent. On those two notes, uh, let me just say thank you so much. Uh, you've been listening to Wan Zik Choi and Hejin Kang. Uh, talking about the lessons learned from Korea's response to the coronavirus crisis. Many things to learn for all of us there. Thank you so much and have a great day. Take care. Thank, Thank you, Oliver. You have been listening to the Future of Asia podcast by McKinsey and Company. To learn more about McKinsey, our people, our latest thinking, visit us at mckinsey.com slash future of Asia or find us on LinkedIn, Twitter and Facebook. Mm-hmm.